You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello there, Habs fans. Welcome to this week's episode of The Press Zone Montreal, right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media, episode 224 of The Press Zone. Uh, And we, of course, are proud to be an affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks so much to those fine folks. Uh, It's a great uh, group of hockey podcasts to be a part of. And a special thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. You'll hear from them in a bit with some uh, exciting new perks for our listeners. Uh, we have a great show for, in store for you today, packed with information now that the regular season is underway for the NHL and AHL. But let me first make some introductions in case you're new around here. Uh, I am your host, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. My name is Amy Johnson, and I'm joined each and every week by my tremendous co-host. Uh, and he also happens to be our president, founder, and editor-in-chief of Rocket Sports Media, and he is Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. And if you are new around here, welcome. Yes. This is the Press Zone Montreal, where we focus on prospects. Um, yeah. Prospects that are playing, there's some playing in the NHL, AHL, and junior hockey, college hockey, and in Europe. So that's that's what we do around here. That's what we do. We do around here. We also have a sister podcast called The Press on Philadelphia. If you if you or anyone you know is a fan of the Philadelphia Flyers organization, we do the same type of thing on a separate podcast dedicated to Philly prospects as well. Um, Rick, I'm not going to mention the fact that you had the audacity to beat me in one of our hockey uh, football leagues this weekend. Mm-hmm. We're just not going to talk about that. Quite the um, audacity. Yeah, it was it was quite an emphatic kind of win, I think. You won like by five points. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. And you trailed the entire weekend. Got your hopes up, didn't crying you? Crying and crying. You Look got how your far hopes behind up, I am. And I said, You've got late players playing and sure enough, rude. You just sweep in there at the last minute. Uh huh. I'll remember that. Oh, it was the Bills. Yeah, the Bills helped me out. Yeah. They didn't win the game, but (laughs) (laughs) Josh Allen and and the Bills defense and uh, kicker. I've had trouble with kickers this year. So Tyler Bass is a new Mm. kicker. He he did fine. Josh Allen is is exciting. He had his his usual. Yeah. 
I uh, I haven't looked. And, and yeah, the, it was, uh, let me see here, 16 points, just uh, for the record. It's five-ish. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked at all of my opponents in the Rocket Sports uh, Fantasy Football League's plural yet for this week but i do know one of them i do know that i face off for the first time against ben Dankio this week Mm-mm. i see and um he's been you know he had a little rough start to start the season but now he's been uh riding comfortably with a few uh pretty pretty significant wins so i'm gonna have to try to bring him back down to earth a little bit something new this weekend you, <laughs> you mentioned DraftKings, our sponsor um our uh, commissioner for fantasy uh, sports, uh, Brian, uh, put together a, um, a Saturday night extravaganza. That's right. With uh, with DraftKings, and uh, I was involved in the podcast and getting the previews ready and all that. So, but many of our our uh, comp- contributors uh, joined in. Yes. And um, interesting it, result. Fantastic result. Uh, one of our newer contributors, Maria. Won it. Mm-hmm. Won the first ever inaugural Rocket Sports Saturday Extravaganza Daily Fantasy matchup. Uh, and yours truly came in second. So of the five people competing, the two ladies. Nicely done. Came out one, two on the podium. So, you know. Shouldn't be a I surprise. put it out there mm-hmm. on uh, Slack. I said, I don't know, boys. You going to throw down 10 cents next week because <laughs> the ladies are here to take your money you know well done thanks it was pretty good it was very fun looking forward to doing that every saturday night um yes we are actually here to talk about hockey uh we have a great show for you today we're gonna briefly touch on the oh well you know we're talking we're bantering about fantasy sports because those fantasy sports are a heck of a lot better than the Montreal Canadiens have been to start the season. Uh, so we're going to talk about the struggles that the Habs have had out of the gate uh, and bring you up to date on some roster moves. Then in our second segment, it's all about the Laval Rocket. Uh, Laval also opened their season this weekend with a home and home against the Belleville Senators. We'll tell you how that went down. We've got post game audio clips for you from uh, Coach JF Ool and a couple of the players uh ryan paling looks to be injured again uh we're gonna get we're gonna give you the facts that we know as of right now about that um and the canadians echl affiliate the trois Rivière lions announced their new captains for their inaugural season so we'll we'll tell you about those as well and then in case all of that wasn't great enough, in our third segment, the AHL and Beyond, it is another week for the AHL Hot Stove with Patrick Williams. Patrick is back with us today uh, celebrating the return of the AHL with the regular season uh, in the books from this past weekend. Patrick joins us and we're going to talk about some of the the highs and lows and, and notable moments around the league from this weekend. Uh, and so that's uh, it's going to be a, a great segment coming up later in the show. So I guess let's start with those Habs. Mm-hmm. Um, 0-3 to start the season, coming off of a pretty dismal uh, preseason performance. Uh, 0-3 to start the season. Can't muster more than one goal in each of those games. So three games, no wins, three goals. Do I have that about right? That's about right. So what's what's the problem? <laughs> what's, well, I, what's, I th- yeah. You know, th- there's it's th- like that meme where the guy with the stick poking the little rock saying, do something. 
Yeah, there's there's certainly more than one problem. Um, I know the focus has been on special teams, and um, a lot of the talk uh, today with uh, Mike Hoffman set to make his uh, Canadians debut. That he's going to be the answer to all the issues on the power play. Mm. Um, but yeah, the Canadians uh, haven't been able to score. They should be able to score without, uh, you actually don't really expect Mike Hoffman to contribute too much to the five on five offense. Uh, there, there's, there's plenty of other uh, uh, scoring skill in the lineup for them to be able to be um, uh, putting up more than a goal a game. They're on a, 82 goal uh, pace for the season um, for the team. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the Canadians aren't, they aren't finding their way to the goal. They aren't finding their, they, they aren't finding the uh, ability to carry the puck in very easily uh, in, in clean zone entries. Uh, and then the whole uh, special teams issue where the power play has been dreadful, uh, 0 for 11. But but not only that, they just aren't getting um, uh, shots or high-quality uh, scoring chances. And the penalty kill um, has uh, has not been good either. Um, defense has been uh, an issue. They've, they've at times... Uh, in the three games, been dominated five on five. But even when they they uh, managed a pretty good uh, defensive effort against the Rangers, uh, then uh, you know they, they allowed uh, the Canadians allowed three high danger scoring chances uh, in that game against the Rangers, and they just didn't get the goaltending, timely goaltending, the big save when they needed it, and a lot of this, uh, whether it's the the penalty kill or or the um, the five-on-five play—it's—it's it's that you know they they miss Carey Price, they miss Shea yeah. Weber, um, and uh, and haven't haven't those are the kinds of of players when in the lineup can uh, you know blur a lot of these lines and and make up for a lot of the the other deficiencies and mistakes, and uh, they they don't have those two players in the in the lineup, and it's it's really showing, and we're seeing. Uh, some frustrations from uh, a, a head coach in his first full rookie year. Yeah, it's uh, it's concerning to say the least. We were promised so many big things. I know you've mentioned this on the Canadians Connection and even in your Habs headline posts. Um, we were promised so many things from from management with all the changes that were made over the summer. And and sure, okay, they weren't expecting Mike Hoffman to not be able to participate in training camp and. And they weren't expecting to lose Yasperi Kakanyemi to an offer sheet and and all of those sorts of things. But I, to me, it, it's showing that maybe there should be some more concern about the actual depth in the organization than there has been. Um, and quite frankly, the Canadians haven't looked all of that um, invigorated out on the ice, I guess is the word I want to use. Like the, the games that they've played have been very ho-hum to me. Um, I also found it interesting that in in today's press conferences, more than one player today said that, um, you know, they really feel that they have a good chance to win uh, tonight and that this last game they felt was their best of three. And I thought, oh, Lord, I hope not. Um, well, defensively, <laughs> it was for sure. Well, defensively, sure. absolutely, because uh, they've been dreadful. Uh, not not just the defensemen, but uh, playing defensive hockey. Right. 
Um, but, uh, you know, the difficulty, too, is uh, Dom Deschamps brought a whole new approach to training camp. And yes, uh, while some of these lines uh, were together last year, others weren't. And uh, so the the development of the chemistry, um, you know, Claude Julien came in. He started with the same lines that finished training camp and and uh, developed chemistry. Dom Deschamps, whole new approach. And, right. and and did a lot of experimentation, um, and that seems to have upset uh, the, the 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 chemistry and the 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 kind of uh, f- opportunity for uh, the team to gel in in training camp because uh, we haven't seen that in the three uh, regular season games. I know it's just game four tonight as they host the San Jose Sharks, but is it too early in the season to to call this a must win game? No, absolutely, and particularly this is this is a homestand. Uh, this is a homestand, and it's against a team that you expect to. Uh, well, the analysts are saying they're the uh, they're going to end up. San Jose is likely to end up in the bottom third of uh, the NHL standings. So, home game, uh, packed building uh, in front in front of one of the you know not not in the top half, not in the top two thirds of the league. This is a game that the Canadians have to win. Uh, if you are not already, make sure you're following Rick at All Habs on Twitter. He will have all of your, every night, your live NHL Montreal Canadiens game tweets and information. He also already uh, over there at allhabs.net. Uh, full comprehensive game preview every afternoon of game day. And then an extensive recap every night after the game. In addition to his his and Chris G's uh, daily weekday Habs news and Habs headlines uh, posts. So make sure you bookmark allhabs.net. Follow at allhabs on Twitter for all of your Montreal Canadiens uh, coverage. Um we should also mention some some roster shifting. You mentioned that Mike Hoffman will make his debut tonight. Brooks will also make his debut as well. Uh, Paquette will be a healthy, uh, excuse me, Perot will be a healthy scratch tonight. Alex Belzeal placed on waivers yesterday uh, to send him to Laval. He was not claimed. He was he cleared, so he will go to Laval. Um, and Jake Evans, questionable, uh, looks like he will not play tonight. He's day-to-day uh, with a – Ducharme calls it a, something very minor, expects him back very soon, but, but keeps Evans out for tonight. Uh, we are going to take a quick break on the other side. Uh, we are going to talk about the Laval Rocket in depth. We're going to bring you some post-game audio, talk about their opening home and home against the Belleville Senators, give you an update on Ryan Paling, and uh, also talk about some roster moves there as well. So you don't want to miss a minute of that. So don't go anywhere. We will be back right after this. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, 
you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Press Zone Montreal right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. Uh, be sure you uh, follow us on Twitter. We mentioned you can follow Rick at AllHabs on Twitter. You can also follow along with uh, with my coverage as well at Flyers Rule. Um, but most importantly, make sure you're following at the AHL Report because that is where you will get live in-game coverage of the Laval Rocket. You will get in-depth Laval Rocket recaps uh, and all sorts of content related to the Rocket and Habs prospects. So make sure you're following along there. And if you were already doing that this past weekend, then you know already what great coverage that you got about the Laval Rocket uh, opening weekend. Uh, Rick, Friday night was the not only the home opener and season opener for the Laval Rocket, but it was the first time that hockey was played at Place Bell since March of 2020. Uh, if, if folks remember, Laval played their uh, no fans games at the Bell Center last year. So it's been a long time coming for the fans in Laval to come back to Place Bell, and uh, they certainly packed the place. They showed up, 8,600, 8,609 fans were in in a building that uh, maxes out around 10,000, 10,400, I think, uh, at Place Bell. Uh, So a really good crowd, uh, fans into the Upper Bowl. They don't often open the Upper Bowl, but uh, open uh, and, uh, and fans enjoying um, Laval Rocket Hockey. And uh, Laval certainly put on a show for them. Uh, absolutely trounced the Belleville Senators. After getting off to kind of a slow start, uh, Laval, it took them quite a while before they even registered a shot on goal. Then they got uh, picked up the pace and got heavy on the forecheck. Michael Pizzetta, uh, after the <laughs> the notable training camp that he had with the Canadians, uh, quickly becoming a fan favorite there as well, uh, got on the board first for Laval and uh, they managed to put up another four in the second period, and it was just all-out domination against the Belleville Senators. Um, you know, after the game, uh, our Chris G, of course, was back at Place Bell. He was in the press box and and there for the post-game pressers, and he had a chance to speak to uh, head coach Jean-Francois Uhl and and some of the players. And um, the one the one person, you know that was a, a good focus, particularly for a, a strong game overall by the team, but by but by this forward as well as Ryan Paling. I mean, Ryan Paling really, uh, a lot of people thought he was uh, had a decent shot at making the NHL roster, and, and he has instead been sent to Laval for now to start the season. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate that NHL fans are so impatient for 
when it comes to prospect development that they tend to uh, they tend to get really down and very critical on Ryan Paling when he doesn't come out and do big flashy things uh, that makes him look like you know a, a big NHL superstar. But um, JF Uhl, uh, we're going to hear from him right now. JF Uhl had plenty of positive things to say about Ryan Paling's development and progression and where he is at as a player. Really good. I thought he started a little slow, but as the game went on, he won a, a, a lot of face-offs. I, I think he's only lost two, uh, two face-offs all game. He was a man out there and uh, really proud of him. I, and he scored a nice goal. He's big. He uh, he's, plays a power forward type of game and uh, really proud of him tonight. He's, he played hard and uh, really proud of him. I, and he scored a nice goal. He's big. He uh, he likes to repeat. Um, <laughs> he likes to repeat himself. We yeah. really wanted to make sure that you heard him say how proud he was of Ryan Palin. Well, that's what happens when you're speaking in a cave. But um, yeah. <laughs> he said, but more importantly, the words that he said, um, face-offs. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Palin, that was a knock on him, but he spent uh, the summer uh, improving his face-offs. And, and at, the training, at the Canadians uh, training camp, uh, Ryan Paling was the best of 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 uh, um, better than Suzuki, better than Evans, um, better than uh, Paquette and Perot. Uh, um, he had the best uh, faceoff percentage in the Montreal Canadiens training camp. Uh, talked about him being being, being uh, a power forward, yeah, uh, and able to use his size uh, to uh, uh, gain. Uh, uh, space and that for his his line mates uh, protect the puck and and uh, so a really uh, positive uh, com- really positive comments there from the head coach absolutely and, and and glad to see that and that he's recognizing that in Ryan Paling he obviously has confidence uh, has him on centering the top line um, and. Has him wearing a letter as well. Uh, Laval, of course, unveiling their captains over the weekend. Uh, Xavier Willard, of course, retains the C as the captain. Um, and uh, he's joined by alternate captains Gabriel Bork, uh, Corey Schooneman, and Ryan Paling. And uh, Chris also asked Ull to talk about why he felt Ryan Paling was a, a, a good candidate to be part of the leadership really team. Yeah, I, I think Ryan is there in his career. It's time for him to be a leader. He's, uh, he was leading scorer of this team last year. Uh, he's played in this league for two and a half years. He's proven that he can play very hard at this, uh, at this level. He's well-liked in the, in the locker room. And sometimes, uh, you know, those players can bring other players with them and, and bring them to the next level. So uh, talked about his leadership and how um, he, he not only uh, has the confidence to propel himself, but to bring others along with him. Um, and and that's, that's, that's really important when it comes to uh, playing at this level and being a role model for some of the younger players. Absolutely. And he, he went on to even say, and he speaks English. Uh, he said, you know, I'm, it's, it's important for me to have a balance of French and English speaking guys in the leadership. And so you see, it's very balanced. You have Xavier Ouellette and Gabriel Bork representing the French speaking players. And you've got Corey Schooneman and Ryan Paling representing the English speaking players. And I found that as a refreshing breath, a breath of fresh air uh, for a coach to come right out and say that that's a priority for him to make sure that every guy in his locker room uh, has someone 
who they can relate to and and speak with most fluently and comfortably uh, as part of their leadership team. I was really impressed with that. Absolutely. Uh, so they won big. And then the next day they hit the road for the second half of the home and home and, and traveled to Belleville for Belleville's home opener, uh, albeit in front of a much smaller crowd. Um, now, Belleville's arena, the CAA arena, is not as big as Place Bell. It probably holds maybe upwards of 4,000. Uh, but they only had about fifteen or 1,600 fans in the building for their home opener, A little, uh, probably a little disappointing for Belleville. Um, but... They, the fans that were there certainly weren't disappointed with what they saw. Belleville bit back. Troy Mann, if anything, is a, a spectacular coach, and, and he coaches the Belleville Senators very well, and he knew exactly what needed to be adjusted, uh, and he did that. Uh, and so they turned the tables on Laval. Uh, they did what Laval did the night before. They put up four goals unanswered in the second period um, and, and, and put a big hurting on on Laval uh, for a while there. It looked like it might even be a shutout. Um, so that, you know, we'll see how, how Laval bounces back from that. They've got, they've got uh, another home game coming up this week uh, as well as a, their first South of the border road trip um, since 2020 uh, where they'll be traveling uh, down into the States. But um Really high on the energy and the adrenaline and everything at home on Friday night, but then Saturday night got outplayed, got outcoached. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was. I think it was dis- disappointing. But uh, the thing that I think was most concerning was Ryan Paling's injury that occurred in the first period of that game, um, where he went in behind the net. There was about four guys battling for the puck behind the net. Uh, and Andrew Agaz- uh, Agazzini comes in, and it happens very quickly, but when you slow it down and you look at it, he comes in, and instead of just getting in there to scrum and battle for the puck, he raises his arm and brings his elbow down sharply on the back of Paling's helmet, who is who is crouched kind of below him. Uh, Paling immediately goes to the ice, clutching his head, takes a long time to get up, Finally gets to the bench, shake, holding his head, stays there for a little while. Vedamo takes a couple of shifts in his place. Uh, and then after a number of minutes at a stoppage, uh, Ryan Paling crosses the ice and heads down the tunnel, still holding his head. Um, so very concerning. Um, we don't know if he's been diagnosed with a concussion. We don't know what his status is. J.F. Uhl, uh did not want to comment on it to Anthony Marcotte after the game. Uh, wanting to wait till they got back to Laval for reevaluation and no news has come out yet. So we'll have to wait to see if he's in the lineup. I'm kind of doubting he will be. Uh, I don't believe that he was at practice today. Uh, and so uh, very concerning news for, for Ryan Paling and hoping that he's okay. For sure. Um, it, it's always when, when prospects go down to uh, the AHL, it's, it's difficult to see because sometimes uh, they become a target, and for uh, a player um, on the other side, a player uh, like Agazino, who's you know uh, 30 years old, and and he's no longer a prospect, 
um, for the Ottawa Senators. He's there to, um, you know, he, he's the kind of guy who's always worn a letter. He's a, he's a leader for his team. Uh, so taking uh, one of the, the primary threats out of uh, the Lal lineup uh, is an accomplishment. And um, unfortunately, no penalty called on that. And, and, um, and as you said, it was just... Yeah, very unfortunate. It's unfortunate for Paling, who had a good preseason, yeah. uh, who had a good start to the AHL season, uh, and now uh, concussions have been an issue in the past. And and we're not saying that's what this is. We don't have a medical report, um, but it's uh, difficult to see him out of the lineup um, again. Absolutely, it's 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 really unfortunate. Um, so we will have to wait to see. So all you know, the 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 total sum of the weekend. Great start on Friday. A little more of a struggle on Saturday. Um, should mention a couple of the players did talk about how great it was to be back at Plas Bell and be back in front of a, a, a packed Plas Bell. Uh, we're going to play two clips for you here just back to back. The first is uh, Jean-Christophe Boran and then followed that by Michael Pizzetta. Uh, and they just both really appreciated uh, and, and felt pretty energized by the atmosphere at Plas Bell for opening weekend. It was awesome. Uh... I've played here before, and I've never, I've never felt something like tonight in the AHL. So it was amazing. Never. Uh, it was just awesome, like to see, see the fans back in the stadium, and to just see how loud they are, and just bring so much energy. I mean, for the last year, uh, it was, it was definitely a little weird, and especially for someone like me, and you, you build off that energy with the fans, it keeps you going. So uh, I was just uh, pretty cool to see, and it was a fun experience for, for all of us, I think. Uh, he talked about the energy in the building. That was Michael Pizzetta. He's an energy player. Yeah, and, and the two, it's kind of a reciprocal relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, they feed each other. And uh, the kind of player who, who plays better when, when there's uh, fans, uh, when there's energy in the building. Uh, and he certainly got off to a great start. He did, in fact, uh, got off to a very notable start. We mentioned, you know, he had a... He certainly caught the attention of a few people during uh, the NHL training camp. He got into a few preseason games uh, and certainly made his presence known. Uh, but in this opening weekend, over the course of the two games, uh, he's got four points already. Uh, he scored a goal and three assists uh, o- over the weekend. Uh, and when he was asked, you know, did you do anything different this summer? You know, what what has anything changed with you? Where is where is all of this coming from? Uh, he he had this to say about basically taking, being ready to take advantage of an opportunity when it comes along. Um, I think it was the same approach as always. Like I, I go in the off season and I work as hard as I can, make sure I'm doing the right things, treating my body the right way. I think maybe this year I got a little bit of a chance to, to, to prove myself. Um, that was the first time I played exhibition games. Um, playing more tonight even, and um, I think I'm just trying to take advantage of that opportunity, and it was something that maybe I was just sitting, waiting, waiting, making sure that when I got that opportunity, I'd be ready for it, and I think that's what's hopefully. Um, so that, uh, I, I think it really um, excited him, the, getting an opportunity to play in uh, exhibition games with a Montreal Canadian sweater yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, that's really seemed to make a, a big difference for him. And, and, um, and he took full advantage of the opportunity. And he's obviously appreciative that the coach uh, at the AHL level has some confidence in him mentioning that he got more ice time uh, 
for that for for that opening game than than he's maybe accustomed to in the past and so I, I he obviously is feeding off of that congratulations to Michael Pizzetta you know he, we've covered him for a few few years now uh, as you say he's an energy player he's a good character guy he works really hard uh, makes some of the most uh, hilarious faces in the league when he scores uh and it's just he's just fun to watch so congratulations to him and we'll see if if he can continue this upward trajectory um we if you missed it last week we had an exclusive one-on-one interview with uh jean-francois Uhl, the laval rockets new head coach uh right here on the press zone he was our special guest last week if you missed that make sure you head over to the press and catch it because uh we went uh into a pretty deep dive with JF about his development uh, philosophy when it comes to prospects and what he wants the team's identity to be and, uh, you know, just all sorts of all sorts of things uh, to to kick off the season with the new coach. And over on our sister podcast, the Press Zone Philadelphia, we did the same thing this week with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms brand new head coach, uh, former NHLer. Ian LaPerriere, who spent a number of seasons behind the NHL bench with uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, I mention this only because, uh, A, if you're, if you're interested, you might want to go hear that interview. But we're going to play for you right now just a, a little clip. Uh, you know, Rick, during uh, rookie camp, Rob Ramage came out and was talking about the new coaching staff, who was, of course, running things for rookie camp, uh, and talked about Kelly Bookberger and, and had, you know, had everyone in stitches when he said, oh, I I met Kelly's fist at a very young age. <laughs> I was introduced to Kelly's fist at a very young age. Well, uh, you were wise enough to know that Ian LaPerriere and Kelly Bookberger were teammates once upon a time. And uh, so you asked Ian to give us his thoughts on Kelly as a person and Kelly as a new uh, assistant coach here for Laval. And he had some really, really special things to say. Great teammate, great uh, leader. I played with him in LA and it's funny because I played against him for years and I was always afraid of fighting him or something. And when I saw him the first day, he's so skinny. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't <laughs> believe I was afraid of you. And we laughed about it, but he's just uh, what I like about Bucky. He's a, he's a worker. He's at the rink. Uh, for, you know, he, he's not afraid of working. He was like that as a player. He's like that as a coach, and um, I just have a lot of respect for him. He's uh, he's got a lot of knowledge. He played a long time, coach a long time. He's been around great great leaders, and uh, I'm sure he's going to help the Rocket uh, become a better team just with his, his experience. And uh, he tried, you know, he, he was a head coach in in the West there for uh, I think Arizona's farm team, and uh, you know, he I think it's um, knowing him. I'm sure he's more comfortable being an assistant coach, you know, just to be able to be a little bit closer to the players. And uh, they're lucky to have him. He's a he's a hell of a guy. He's a character guy, and I'm sure he's going to have a lot of success. Hopefully, not when we play against them, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's going to do great in in Laval. I think we've agreed that we have to have Kelly Bookberger on the show so that he can back <laughs> up both both Rob Ramage saying that he was introduced to his fist at a young age and Ian LaPerriere. I think we need to play the audio for him of Ian LaPerriere saying, why was I so afraid of you? You're so skinny. <laughs> uh, but just great comments and and really uh, very genuine comments about why Kelly Bookberger is going to be great in his new position here in Laval. For sure. And uh, it, it just, it's something I, I always say that, that hockey is a small community. There's all sorts of connections 
and uh, and and those connections aren't lost when you move on to to another team. These these uh, fellows know each other and and respect each other and uh, are wishing each other well when they're not uh, playing against each that, other. That's absolutely right. So if you'd like to hear that entire interview from Ian LaPerriere, we invite you to head over to thepresszone.fm and just click on the Philadelphia version of the podcast from this week, and you'll get to hear that interview in its entirety. Um, just a couple of notes of news notes before we wrap up this segment. Uh, one roster move that I quite frankly raised my eyebrows uh, for Laval was that Cam Hillis, who has not played, did not get into either of the two first regular season games for the Rocket, uh, has been assigned to the ECHL. He's been sent to the Trois Rivières Lions. Um, I. I'd love to know why that happened. Um, I'm Cam Hillis is not an ECHL caliber player. um, And I'm not sure how it serves his development to go down there. Uh, It obviously meant that they weren't planning to get him into the lineup anytime soon. So maybe they're just looking to get him some ice time. I don't know. I find it very curious. Uh, He's a, he's a pretty good Montreal Canadiens prospect. uh, And so we'll see how long he stays down with Trois Rivières. He's a smart player. Um, he has leadership qualities. Uh, and this is, I, I, you know, I, I, I've talked in the past about the Canadians uh, and they're um, adding so many uh, prospects, adding so many AHL um, veteran older players to the roster in order to, to, to have a distinctive uh, Quebec flavor. Uh, that you're sacrificing opportunities uh, and and slots uh, for for players who are in development, and I, I know that that the Canadians have you know there's there's been years where the, their uh, draft hall has been lean, and so there has been a smaller uh, prospect pool, but now um, you know. Mark Bergevin has backed away. He's turned it over to uh, Trevor Timmons and and acquired a number of prospects and 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 realizing that you need more, you know, uh, quivers in 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 the, or uh, arrows in the quiver and and uh, uh, so there are more prospects coming through the pipeline and you have to make spots for those players in your AHL lineup. Um, I'm just going to take a second. Uh, first line, uh, this is the lineup that we saw in Laval on the weekend. First line, Harvey Pinard, Paling, Yelonen, all three prospects, no issue there. Second line, Wad, uh, Day, and Dufan, um, no prospects there. Martel and Bork on the third line, no prospects there. Baddock, Baudouin, Pazetta, no prospects there. You look on defense, one spot, Gianni Fairbrother, is a prospect. None of the other five defensemen are prospects. Um, that's that's a problem. That is a problem. And that's something that the, the Canadians are going to have to change. Yeah. We would like to see a little bit more balance there for sure. So we will keep an eye on young Cam Hillis and we'll let you know when he is. Uh, One more point. Yes. Going going to, uh, to Trois-Rivières is not going to be easy because no. if... If uh, Laval, if the Canadians are, are ensuring that there's a, a Quebec presence in Laval, uh, it's that was a, a mission critical statement uh, for Trois Rivières. If you go through the roster, 
every single player has Quebec roots, is from Quebec, has a birthplace of Quebec, but two, Cam Hillis and Arson Hizamudinov, uh, that makes it tough for uh, those players going there. Only two English speaking, and and Arson's still working on his English, right. quite frankly. So, um, going to be you know hoping that they are not felt uh, that they don't uh, feel isolated there, and and hopefully does not cause any uh, con- areas of concern. But we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, speaking of the the Trois-Rivières Lions, uh, they are set to start their inaugural season. They have sold out for opening night, believe it or not, uh, expecting to have a packed barn. Uh, and they did announce their captains as well. Uh, Cedric Maltmeny will be the first captain in Lions history, and he is accompanied and assisted by t- uh, Matthew Gagnon and Matthew Brodeur. So there is your first ever set of... Um, captains for the Trois Rivières Lions in the ECHL. All right, we are going to take another break. You don't want to miss what we've got in store for you after this, though. Patrick Williams joins us for another edition of the AHL Hot Stove, and we have got some great things that he's going to talk to us about uh, from all over the American Hockey League after opening season. So you don't want to miss that. We'll be back right after this. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com.
And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Media and the AHL Report. Uh, Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget, you can follow us at the AHL Report for all of your Laval Rocket and Lehigh Valley Phantoms and AHL News, uh, as well as at the Press Zone, if you'd like to follow this podcast. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, You've heard some great exclusive interviews from from uh, AHL head coaches these last couple of weeks. Uh, You heard Patrick, uh, you're about to hear Patrick Williams, uh, who joins us every other week uh, for the AHL Hot Stove. You don't ever want to miss an episode, so make sure you head uh, to thepresszone.fm, choose whichever podcast player you whatever platform you prefer hit subscribe or just look down to the player that you're listening to this to right now make sure that you are subscribed and uh we'll be glad to welcome you back each and every week um let's first just before we bring patrick in we should mention uh that now that we are back to the regular season with the ahl uh it means that this week there is the very first ahl player of the week uh, for for this season, are we shocked that it's from the Syracuse Crunch? <laughs> they do a good job. Should we they be do, shocked? They do a pretty good job. They do a pretty good job. Well, Jimmy Huntington is uh, a forward who plays for the Syracuse Crunch. He's actually a Laval native, uh, but plays for the Crunch, and uh, you know had two games this weekend and uh, scored a hat trick and another goal on top of that. So four goals, two games. Not a bad way to start the season. Not bad at all. Particularly given that in his 61 career AHL games prior to that, he only had five goals across the span of those 61 games. So he almost matched that. <laughs> now, he, he had some uh, offensive production in his junior career in, mm-hmm. in the queue um, with Ramuski, 40 goals in 66 games uh, his last uh, season there. So uh, it's there. Um, and somehow uh, the Syracuse Crunch managed to get that out of him over the first opening weekend. That's great. Hopefully that continues for him. So congratulations to Jimmy Huntington on being named the very first AHL Player of the Week for the 2021-22 season. Well, we had a fantastic under review article from our good friend Patrick Williams uh, last week on the AHL Report website. And not only should you go check that out if you missed it, but that also means that this week is an AHL Hot Stove Week where Patrick joins us on the show. So, Patrick, uh, welcome. Uh, great for you to be here, and I hope you survive the opening weekend of the AHL. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's a little disorienting because... You know, on one hand, you're in a very familiar place, right? Like, you know, been doing this for years and years and you're kind of back in your, your, you know, natural habitat. And yet you're also kind of not because it is different. So, um, somebody redecorated the house. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, wait, where, you know, where's everything? Um, so it's different in that regard for sure. So it's a lot of kind of like feeling your way through the dark and, just get, getting used to things again. I mean, because you did have last season um, and everything that that entailed, but that was such a different experience from anything, mm-hmm. um, you know, before, or hopefully after. And um, yeah, you're, you're just, you know, open night, night is always a little strange in general. It's always like, it's kind of always like the first day of school when you're a kid <laughs> and it's 
amplify that much more now just because so much is different. Sure. So you were in the building at uh, Giant Center in Hershey uh, mm-hmm. for the Hershey Bears to welcome the Charlotte Checkers uh, for Hershey's season opener. What was what was the the vibe and the energy like in the building? Um, pretty good. The vibe was, though, it did seem like, it's. I guess it almost some fans were sort of um, out of shape, almost, <laughs> in their fandom. <laughs> you know, they haven't done this in, in you know, what, 19 months? Yeah. And, you know, kind of, you know, you, you still know how to do it, but you kind of, like, have to get back on track and get used to it again, so... So the wave yeah, was a little uncoordinated. Sure. Yes. The wave was, yeah. They, they weren't banging Not on glass insane. in their living rooms? <laughs> yes. It's a good way to put it. So it, it's different on that that regard. I mean, um, you know, uh, I think the players, it was also, that was also another factor. I mean, Hershey had, a, you know, I think 1,200 fans matched last season, so... And that's that's a big building. You, you both know you've been there, and mm-hmm. uh, so I mean, yeah, there's fans in the building last season, but it, it really actually, for all intents and purposes, felt empty. Um, I mean, you know, when you hear the national anthem, and then you sort of you're accustomed to hearing clapping at the end, and you just kind of hear a few random claps. <laughs> it's a very very weird experience, and certainly you hear the players on the ice talking. I mean, I heard referees and coaches going back and forth last season um so i think the players had some of it somewhat of an adjustment period as well um um certainly in some cases like you know charlotte was the opponent so like they didn't play any preseason games um you know some of their players had played nhl preseason either with seattle or florida but um for the players who didn't i mean in some cases this was their first time playing in front of fans in a year and a half so uh, I just noticed, yeah, a little bit like that, like a little bit of uh, maybe nerves or a little bit of hesitation at first for players. And then I think as they got used to it, once again, they eased into it and uh, mm-hmm. seemed to adjust. But it's different. Yeah, there's no no question. <laughs> um, it's not the AHL that we left in March 2020. Exactly. Well, so we've talked about this in a in a previous AHL hot stove segment talking about, um, you know, the three of us discussed the, the what ifs and, and, you know, how, how contingent this season is on the AHL's health moving forward. And would fans come back? Would they, Rick, you had, you had brought up, would they, would they want to, um, return to, to leaving their homes and going back out to the rink or, you know, will, will fans be kind of rabidly waiting to get back in the building? So we saw kind of both ends of the spectrum this weekend. Um, Rick, you know, Laval had fantastic numbers. We saw images from, from them uh, for their home opener on Friday night all across the league. But then you also found some numbers that were at the kind of opposite end of the spectrum from that too. Well, uh, Laval had had great attendance uh, in their their home opener, uh, eighty six hundred and nine uh, fans officially. Um, they opened the the upper bowl, which uh, they don't do, um, uh, you know, as 
very often and and there was good energy uh christy was was there in the building and uh and said uh, there was really good energy um and and but you know all that's that's good news um but uh but lavelle has you know they've been in the top 10 12 uh for attendance the past few years and when you go back to uh, a normal year uh, what we'd consider a normal year, the 2019-20 uh, season, uh, Lavelle's average attendance was was around 6,400 uh, a game, and um, so you might expect for an opening night that uh, that they would have you know a, a couple thousand more, especially opening the the upper bowl. So I think it's too early. It's it's good news. It's good news to see the the fans back in the building. It's good news to see them excited. Um, and, uh, but it's too early to say exactly what it, what it means. Right. And now Patrick, they weren't the only ones that had, had really high, uh, numbers, Grand Rapids and someone else also had some pretty impressive, uh, attendance numbers this weekend, right? Yeah. Grand Rapids was 10,834. I want to say, uh, Cleveland, I think was up around nine Providence was eight. So a lot of your, you know, traditional stronghold, Markets uh, really did well for themselves. Um, not so surprisingly um, in that that regard. I mean, they're, they've all been consistent performers. Uh, well, in Providence's case, uh, this is now they're going to their thirtieth season. So I mean, mm. they're 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 money in terms of attendance. So uh, Cleveland, one of the big success stories. I mean, it's, it's it's always been kind of interesting for me. I remember the original. Well, the, the reincarnation of the Cleveland Barons in the mid 2000s and, you know, the attendance there was very, very weak. And then the new management came in there with the with the basketball team and uh, really got that whole uh, market uh, turned around uh, dramatically. And uh, they've they've been good ever since in that regard in, in terms of putting people to building. So Grand Rapids also always a strong, uh, strong market. So. Yeah, I mean, some of the markets you really expect to do well did well, uh, you know, not too surprisingly. But were there any markets that, you know, as we were wondering and curious about a few weeks ago as we talked about this, were there markets that indeed certainly definitely struggled to get fans back in the building on opening weekend? Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the challenges, too. Like, let's say you, you take California, um, where there was Bakersfield opened, uh, Stockton opened, and Ontario opened this weekend. And uh, they're under uh, very heavy uh, restrictions right now in terms of vaccination requirements, uh, masking, um, testing for, for kids under the age of 12, uh, at least in one case. And remember, everything is also at a city, but also a state basis. You also sometimes have a, a county basis. So there's a, kind of a hodgepodge of um, different requirements and different um, parameters that teams are operating under. So it's going to be tough for them, I think, in the early going, trying to just um, do everything that it, it, that it entails to come back uh, after a year and a half hiatus uh, in terms of playing before fans. Um to do that and also do that uh, under the specter of uh, these restrictions. And no one's saying the restrictions are bad. It's just they are what they are. And it's just something you have to deal with. It's, it's, it's another challenge. It's, you know, it's almost like the NFL in the sense, like that's a challenge that every team in, in hockey more or less has to deal with at this level because, you know, Sunday afternoons in the fall are 
tough sell for teams because you're competing against the NFL behemoth. Uh, so, you know, that's something you always have to factor in. And at least for now, for the early going, you're going to have to factor in some of these restrictions. So, um, yeah, yeah, there are some teams that definitely uh, had a had a tougher time than normal. Um, something we'll just have to keep an eye on, I think, in terms of um, how they manage that and, uh, you know, if and when those restrictions either soften or lift it all together. And for those Californian teams, uh, Bakersfield around 2,800. They had two games there averaging 2,800. Ontario, California, 2,600 uh, 2, average. Uh, Stockton averaging uh, 1,000 uh, a game uh, for this opening weekend. And uh, just by comparison, you go back again to that 2019-20 uh, season, um, our, our most recent that was normal, and Ontario was a really good draw mm-hmm. uh, that year. They were third in, in the league uh, with a, an average attendance of about 8,000 nightly. Uh, San Diego was fifth in the league that year, uh, 7,600. They haven't had a home game yet, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. But uh, certainly those numbers have been affected um, early on in the season. For sure. And I think you look at, you know, like Ontario, I think they'll be okay uh, when all is said and done. I think uh, it's just a matter now of, A, reintroducing yourself to fans. You've been away for 18 or 19 months. Uh and that's, that's a shame at all because you you think back to March 2020 and the lead was in a really, really good place. Uh, I, I said this before, but uh, I recall the 2020 All-Star Game in Ontario, California, uh, very well supported by the fans that, that year. And But also that was Dave Andrews' final season. And uh, traditionally that uh, state of the lead address, there's a lot to deal with and there's a lot of issues that you have to plow through and you know, they tend to run pretty long. And... Um, that January 2020 uh, session was it was pretty short because there wasn't a whole lot of real problem spots on the map uh, at that time and then little did we know about six weeks later that everything would change and um, pretty much every day since then has been under the the cloud of this uh, pandemic so it did, yeah, I think it definitely did stall some teams' momentum, and uh, it's going to be, it's a blow that was dealt, and now it's their job to get themselves out of that, that ditch, and I'm pretty confident that they can, but it is, I think, going to take some time, just, um, you know, and we've said this before, I mean, this is largely a fan base that relies on middle-class, working-class fans, and a lot of those people have had some sort of financial um upheaval in their personal lives or at least the possibility of financial upheaval and um and if they did have that maybe they're still digging out of some of the uh the the after effects of that i mean if you went six months without a job without a paycheck that's a lot of bills that piled up and uh you're still trying to find your way through that so maybe there's not money right now in 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 the family budget for for hockey games so it's just all these different factors that teams have to navigate through. I mean, it's, all, it's a tough business in the best of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, minor league hockey, it's not, not, you know, it's not an easy way to make money. Um, but um, it's that much more challenging right now just with everything you have going on, you know, in your league, but also around you even more so. We're, we're talking about in-person viewing, uh, the, the attendance at the arenas, but we should also make note 
and we don't have numbers for this, but that the AHL, AHL TV was free for the mm-hmm. opening weekend. So um, uh, there was uh, uh, a fair bit of discussion on social media, uh, maybe new fans uh, checking out their uh, AHL affiliate and getting a chance to, to view their uh, AHL team uh, via AHL TV. Mm-hmm. Well, and, yeah, just to second that point, I mean, uh, a lot of teams last season especially um, – uh, developed local television deals, um, uh, you know, especially with teams that were not able to ha- have any fans. And some of them have carried those deals over into the season, which I think long-term is a good move. Um, it does expose your product to a lot of different people. And, um, but maybe in the short term, you know, if you're a fan and uh, you weren't hundred percent certain about coming out, this past weekend, and, and the game is on television, which was the case in Hershey, for example. Maybe you decide, well, you know what, I'll stay home this weekend and sort of ease myself back into things, watch the game on television. Maybe, you know, in a week or two, I'll come out, you know, to a game. And so I think a lot of people are just kind of feel, feeling, feeling their way through this. And, um, you know, people... People have different reactions. I mean, some people are, you know, full speed ahead. Um, others are a little bit more uh, hesitant, which I think is understandable. Um, we've all been through, you know, a very uh, kind of, we hope, once-in-a-lifetime experience. Um, so, I mean, I think there's definitely the, some of that uh, psychological, if that's the right word, you know, after effect or aftershock for a lot of people who have been through this. And a lot of people have uh, had some really difficult times. I mean, I was speaking with Roy Sommer, the head coach of the uh, San Jose Barracuda, very, uh, very outspoken uh, player, uh, coach. And um, he was, he was mentioning he had three very close friends pass away because of uh, coronavirus. So um, yeah, a lot of people have, you know, everybody's been affected in some way, but some people have been heavily affected mm-hmm. um, in this past uh, 19 months. So uh, yeah, I think it's a lot of this is just going to be, it's a it's a long path back to normalcy, and I think uh, this weekend was one more step in that path. But there's definitely still uh, some ways to go uh, before we hopefully get back to where things were left off in March 2020. Absolutely, you know, it was a it was a, a bright spot uh, for the AHL to have the season opening in October like it typically does. Uh, It was certainly a bright spot for the three AHL franchises who didn't play last year, who opted out of the season due to COVID-19 restrictions and logistics, and that would be the Milwaukee Admirals, the Charlotte Checkers, uh, and the Springfield Thunderbirds, who uh, I should mention, go to the Springfield Thunderbirds YouTube page, uh, check out their hype video uh, Mm -hmm. narrated by Doc Emerson. It's it's tremendous. It's very touching. Um, But another big, exciting uh, thing for the weekend was the inaugural games, uh, albeit on the road, haven't had their home opener yet, uh, for the Abbotsford Canucks. Uh, Of course... Just reminding folks that uh, the Utica Comets are no longer affiliated with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Vancouver choosing to to move their AHL franchise closer to home and and taking over the arena in Abbotsford. Uh, and of course, Utica now affiliated with the New Jersey Devils. Um, but but Patrick, what was you know it was uh, we know that Abbotsford went one and one on the weekend. They they lost on the road to Bakersfield, but but won against the rain. Uh, but what was just the general uh, sense uh, 
you know, in the Abbotsford Canuck and the AHL general community about getting another new franchise underway? Yeah, I think it's, it's, they're excited. Uh, this has been a kind of a long-term goal for, for Vancouver management and, I mean, we know one thing about the Vancouver Canucks, really from the day they started in 1970, they've always had to deal with uh, really difficult travel. Um, and that's extended down to their uh, to their AHL situation. I mean, and even back when they were in the IHL, I mean, they've kind of been everywhere at one point or another. They were in, um, you know, you go back, you know, they were originally Milwaukee when that was an IHL city. Uh, that was a little late 80s, early 90s. Then they went to Hamilton in the AHL. That didn't work. They went to Syracuse for a while. Then uh, that that kind of fizzled. And uh, from there, they went to uh, Kansas City, uh, then to Manitoba for quite a while, then to the Chicago Wolves, <laughs> then finally to the Utica Comets for uh, a long time. I think longer than maybe anyone expected that, that relationship to last simply because of the distance. Uh, and then... As it turned out, uh, Utica was a huge success story, and that I think kept that relationship going for longer than maybe it would have otherwise. Um, and finally, now fifty-one years into the Vancouver Canucks' existence, they now have what teams all over the league have had for a while. I mean, especially the Eastern teams. You look at Providence; uh, they've been with Boston for thirty years now. Um, Hartford and New York. Uh, Bridgeport and the Islanders, uh, Montreal Laval, I mean, Toronto and Toronto, so on and so forth. Well, Vancouver never had that. Vancouver always had to put their players on a plane, uh, usually one, if not two, uh, layovers, uh, 12 to 14-hour travel day. Um, and that's just for the players, never mind for management. Say you're in Vancouver, you want to go check out your players, and now you got to get on a plane. you got to go three time zones away. So everything's just more difficult. Um you know, you, your games are either early or late, depending on what side of the relationship you're on. Um, you know, you're in different time zones, so, you know, communication becomes a little bit more challenging because, hey, I want to talk to my coach, but, it, you know, it's 9 a.m. 9 in Utica, um, and I want to call Travis Green in, Tor in Vancouver, but it's 6 a.m. in Vancouver. So just little things like that I think, think that maybe people think about necessarily but there there are definitely issues that, that come up and now they finally have this this setup that I mean you're an hour away uh, the Vancouver Canucks already had a portion of their training camp in Abbotsford and for anybody who's been to that building I mean you, back when the Abbotsford Heat played their beautiful facility uh, definitely uh, high-end AHL caliber and they've actually put some more money into it since then um, so it's, it's an ideal setup. I mean, they have now what, let's say the Philadelphia Flyers have with Lehigh Valley, um, a farm team an hour or so away. Mm -hmm. You can move players back and forth easily, especially the salary cap age. Uh, and it's not, you know, it just simplifies everything. And, and sure, they have a little bit of travel at the AHL level now to go down to California, go down to uh, Henderson, go to Tucson, Colorado, et cetera. But um, really, it all, for all intents and purposes, that's a direct flight. You, you, you bus to Vancouver Airport, you get on a flight to the L.A. or to San Francisco or, or something like that, and you're there, and then you bus around for a week. And I don't think it's much of a big deal in that regard. So uh, I think um, this is as good as it's ever going to get for the Vancouver Canucks in terms of their setup. Uh, it's a chance to, I think, really solidify their fan base a little bit further as – especially as the NHL teams you know, had some ups and downs the last number of years. So um, 
I think there's a lot of excitement, um, you know, uh, for that Vancouver and right down to Abbotsford as well, because they didn't have a great experience last time uh, with the Heat. Uh, it was a Calgary affiliate, obviously not a very um, natural setup uh, for anybody. And then, you know, the team didn't do very well uh, on or off the ice and uh, kind of fizzled. So now you actually have a chance to kind of have your, 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 your number one NHL team, you know, for fans in that area, have their prospects in there. Uh, and Vancouver certainly went out this summer, spent a lot of money to get high-end AHL veterans. I think it's a team that could definitely make a lot of uh, noise this season uh, and, and certainly, I think, could go pretty far in the playoffs, uh, depending on how the lineup shapes up. Well, just to support uh, that point about the difficulties that uh, the Canucks franchise had with their prospects that was exacerbated during uh, the, the the COVID lockdowns and the, and the lockdown of the border uh, yes. that they had trouble getting their prospects uh, back and forth so that, that they were loaning their prospects uh, last year to other uh, franchises. Um, loaning, uh, I, I, I don't remember the, the, the forward, uh, the name of the forward they loaned to the Calgary Flames organization, but they loaned defenseman Guillaume Brisebois uh, mm-hmm. to Montreal to, to play in Laval uh, for several games. So uh, that made it even more difficult for them uh, and, and probably was kind of the final straw that, that, um, uh, that, it, that, that convinced them to bring uh, their, their AHL affiliate uh, much closer to home. And so the weekend, of course, plenty of games, lots of game action this weekend, and already... Some guys are standing out. Some guys are, are saying, hey, I'm here. Take notice. And uh, some of those names are, are familiar. Rick, I know a couple of the ones that, that caught your attention were Peyton Krebs and Jake Edinger. Uh, we've heard those names before. Peyton Krebs with uh, five assists in, in two games. Uh, not a bad start. Sitting at the top of the AHL uh, scoring race. Uh, but if you look over the top 20, you see, um, you know, some some veterans in there sprinkled in there that uh, we know their names. Gabriel Dumont, Chris Terry, Adam Cracknell. Um, you know, uh, it, it's uh, pretty, pretty uh, impressive. Or uh, a new name like a Michael Pizzetta with a goal and three assists uh, uh, for four points. But um, lots of exciting uh, young prospects like Peyton Krebs, like a Seth Griffin uh, in Bakersfield. Um, it's uh, and and um, uh, Jake Edinger was uh, uh, just lights out. Two he allowed two goals on seventy five shots in back to back starts against uh, Iowa. Um, Is that good? Uh, that that's pretty <laughs> darn good. Um, uh, Joe Valeno with the Griffins, three goals in two games. So uh, lots of, lots of, uh, great performances over the weekend. One of the things that I think is, is so interesting is, you know, you have the guys that you, that you target as, okay, these are the top prospects in the league, but you love it when, when there are guys that you're not expecting to, to break through even in that first weekend. Um, and, 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 and yeah, it, it makes it, it makes it a lot of fun. Um, Patrick, were there any, um, other than the guys that we mentioned, were there, was there anyone that really stood, stood out to you just over the, the course? Was there, was there a player or two that, that really made a big splash? 
Well, I think just having some of the, the high-end prospects coming in, I think that's always, you know, it's been the HL's calling card. So obviously Krebs is one of those players, but, uh, you know, you go right down the list. Uh, you have a player like Joe Valeno, who's he's in that weird spot right now, like obviously a high, high-end prospect, but sent down uh, by Detroit. And I think maybe a little bit surprisingly both to him and uh, to fans in the, in the sense that uh, they thought he would crack the lineup and he didn't. And uh, yesterday, I mean, I, I spoke with him uh, Friday after the, their home opener, and he was pretty forthright in terms of what he needs to do. He needs to work defensively. He also needs to be consistent. They want him down there de- dominating, um, not just getting by, but dominating. And uh, so you have a lot of players in that in that uh, category, which. You know, for for all the the, the talk about uh, the AHL, you know, either being a league of veterans or you know, hot shot young rookies, there's a lot of those guys in the middle that 23, 24 range, where it starts to get into the make or break time. And you know, is this going to be a first round pick or a second round pick that pans out, or is this going to be uh, one that kind of fizzles? And uh, you know, then you have a player like Josh Hosein kind of trying to find a second life uh, after being a first-round pick of the New York Islanders. And uh, that had its very, uh, very uh, high number of uh, ups and downs uh, through that experience. Now he's in Toronto and he's trying to prove that, hey, I'm not only an AHL player, I'm an NHL player. And so, so a lot of players that, you know, looking for a fresh start. So, and then you have, uh, you know, you have your players coming in like an Alexander Holtz and Utica, first round pick. A um, lot of excitement. Uh, Scott Perunovich in Springfield, a college defenseman. A uh, lot of excitement with him. So it's kind of just, it's a real mix of uh, guys at different stages of the career. And I think that's what keeps this league interesting is every year it's almost like you hit the reset button. Whereas the <laughs> NHL's, it's more like kind of a serial, um, you know, storyline. Well, this is more just like every year, you know, it starts at, the, you know, at zero. And this is your fresh start. This is your chance to prove, hey, I'm, I'm an NHL player or, you know, this is probably as far as I'm going to go. So uh, I find that part the really interesting aspect of just the different uh, points in everyone's career that they're at at this level and, you have guys kind of on their way up, guys on their way down, guys who are somewhere in the middle who are trying to keep their head above water. And um, you have 31 coaches that are, that are trying to uh, help them uh, reach those goals, almost trying to win some games in, you know, along the way. So uh, I think that keeps that lead, the league very fresh. And, uh, you know, every year it gives you a lot of good storylines. One of the other notables uh, from the weekend, of course, uh, Wednesday night uh, when the puck dropped in Wilkes-Barre against uh, the Penguins uh, hosting the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Uh, Katie Gay uh, dropping the puck at center ice, uh, being the first uh, among four female officials to debut uh, in the AHL this weekend. Uh, it's a, it's one of those storylines we're hearing more and more often uh, in sports of of uh, women finding new roles in, in professional sports. And so just wanted to say a congratulations to them uh, and uh, good luck to them in their rookie season, I guess. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Patrick, uh, it was an exciting weekend. That is for sure. Um, 
we thank you for joining us. Uh, under review last week, as we said, if you missed it, be sure you check that out on AHLReport.com. You've got another one coming up for us next week, right? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Um, and it's kind of the place where Patrick gets to put all of his observations and tidbits that he's gleaned from all of his extensive work around the league uh, all week long. Uh, so we look forward to that. And we thank you for joining us for another episode of uh, another edition of the AHL Hot Stove. Thank you. Always a pleasure having Patrick join us uh, on the show, Rick. And uh, never never disappoints with all of the insight and information he's got from around the league. For sure. So glad to have him as part of our team. Absolutely. And as we said, look out uh, next Wednesday at AHLReport.com. He'll have another, uh, the latest edition of his under review column uh, where he uh, kind of does a, a free form, just really fun to read uh, latest happenings around the AHL, little tidbits, little quotes, things that he, uh, just nuggets of little treasures from around the league that he digs up uh, throughout the week. So be sure to look for that next week. It's a great column. Uh, and with that, uh, we are going to get set for another week of hockey. Uh, you know, the uh, the Canadians and the Flyers are well on their way. Uh, Laval plays on Wednesday night and then hits the road to play in Providence and Bridgeport over the weekend. Lehigh Valley Phantoms uh, are back in action this weekend. Their home opener will be taking place this weekend, which I know fans at the PPL Center will be happy and excited to, uh, to get that underway. Uh, so basically, make sure that you are following at the AHL Report. We'll have coverage of those games. Look for our game recaps uh, and and so on and so forth. And we have got you covered. Uh, and uh, with that, Rick, it's really been it's a it's been a great um, it's been a great week. We had some great interviews, uh, and we've got some more great interviews coming uh, in the next week or two as well that people aren't going to want to miss. Exclusive one on ones. Got some great special guests lined up, and uh, it's going to be fun. One more reminder to subscribe. That's good. You always get that in there. It's very important. <laughs> uh, subscribe because we want to see you back here next Tuesday for another great episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit ahlreport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.